Thank you, girls, for leading us this morning. That was wonderful. Can we have the kids come forward, please? Any kids? Oh, my goodness. We don't have very many kids this morning. It's all you. You and me get to hang out this morning. All right. Well, you want to just have a seat right there? <laughs> this crowd of people. There we go. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. I feel much better now. Whew. I was getting a little flustered there for a second. So I've got a question for you guys. I've got two questions. One of them is probably an easy question. One's a little trickier, though, okay? So the first question is, how do you know that your parents love you? They tell you. That's a good way. Yeah. Yes. They love on you, hug on you, right? Hold you, yeah. They feed you, that's an important one, yeah. Is there another way that you girls can think of? Any other ways? No? Yep. They give you a place to stay, right? A place, they've got a place for you to, to live in and sleep in, right. So, okay. Ah. They always show it. They're a part of who you are, right? That's a pretty good one. So, okay. They work their hardest to make money to buy you clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing what Addie said there, but I can see, I think, where this is going maybe. So, okay, so that's, that's good. So here's a maybe trickier question. When did your parents start loving you? Oh, hold on, right there. When you were born, born, that's a great answer. Okay, she had her hand up first, I think. Before you were born. Before you were born. When they knew that that you were coming, was that your answer? When they knew that they were going to have a baby, they loved you already, right? So when my wife and I, when we first got married, we lived down in Kansas City, and, uh, and we kind of started talking, someday we want to have kids. And I grew up in Bethany, a small town. She grew up in Kirksville, kind of a small town. And so we thought, well, when we start having kids, we don't want our kids growing up in Kansas City. We love small towns. We just like the way that people grow up in small towns, the wonderful community that we have, like we have here in Cameron. And so we started looking for a house, and we found this wonderful house. We bought a house from Jerry Johnson, or Jerry Patty is her name now. Does anybody... Della, do you know who that person is by chance? Maybe you've heard of her. Might have heard of her, right? So anyway, we bought a house from, uh, from this wonderful lady. And we, the reason we got this house because it had several bedrooms. It had a garage and a basement, plenty of room. But it also had this wonderful fenced-in backyard that kids could run around and play, and we wouldn't have to worry about them running off somewhere because they were already fenced in, right? <laughs> and so, so we bought this house, Right? Because someday we want to have kids. Well, then, when we started talking, okay, I think we're ready. It's time to, that we would like to start planning to have kids. And when I look back, I realized that's when I started loving my kids already. Before we even knew that we were going to have kids, for sure, we already loved our kids. 
We bought a house specifically for them that they could grow up in, they could run around and play in, right? We had no idea what they were going to look like, what they were going to be like, were they going to be big and strong, were they going to be short and fast, were they going to be super smart, were they going to be really funny? We had no idea what our kids, the only thing we knew about our kids is they're going to love music. That's the only thing, right? And wherever Ann's at, that's, she says that our kids had no option. They were going to love music no matter what. And that's the only thing we knew about our kids. But other than that, we knew nothing about them at all, but we already loved them. And we already made preparations for them to be a part of our family, right? And I think that's a great example of God's love for us. That before you were even born, God already loved you. And God already made preparations for you to be a part of God's family by putting people around you that love you, by giving you a church family that's going to help you grow and believing and trusting in God. God loved you before you were even born, just like we loved our kids before they were even born. That's pretty cool to think about, isn't it? You wasn't even a person yet, and God already loved you. That's pretty cool, right? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. That's kind of the basis of what we're going to be talking about, I think, for the next several weeks is this love that God has for us and how we're supposed to respond to that. Is that cool? Yeah? And I know you're going to be a part of our book study, right? That's pretty cool. So hopefully if your families are a part of it, then you can be a part of it as well or just listen to Dan on Sunday mornings. He'll probably talk about it, I guess, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming up. If you want, you can go sit with your families, or you can stay right there if you want to. That's up to you, okay? All right. So this is kind of the basis of, a, of what we're talking about the next several weeks is this amazing love that God has for us, that, that before we were ever even born, God already loved us. Before we were even a human being, any possible part of being a human being, God's love was already there for us, preparing a way for us to be with God for all eternity, to be a part of our lives, drawing us into this wonderful relationship that we have with God through Christ. And so this is what we're talking about the next several weeks, how God loves us and how we respond to that love. And it's all based on this book, uh, our studies are based on a book called a Disciples' Path by James Harnish. So this morning, I wanted to start with uh, James Harnish gives a, disciple, uh, a de- definition for what a disciple is, and this is, a, this is what he says. A disciple is a follower of Jesus whose life is centering on loving God and loving others. A disciple's life is, is, a, is a life that, that is centering on loving God and loving others. I love that it says centering, not that it's centered on. Because if we would say it's centered on Jesus, it almost kind of insinuates we've, we've got it, we're there. We've achieved something, we've reached a milestone, and we're there, right? We're centered, I'm there, I can hit cruise control, and I'm good, right? But that's not what it says. We're not centered on loving God and loving others. We are centering Our life with Jesus is always evolving. Hopefully, our relationship with God is always growing deeper and deeper and deeper. So we're not at any this level that we've achieved. It's always reaching a new level, always going to that next level. There's a song that we sing sometimes called uh, Good, Good Father. And 
there's the, the last uh, verse of it is probably my favorite, where it says, uh, talking about God, this good, good Father that calls me deeper still. And you call me deeper still. And you call me deeper still. God calls us to grow a little further and deeper into relationships, so we take that step. And then you know what God does? God calls us into further, deeper relationships, so we take that step. And you know what God does? God calls us into further and deeper relationship, deeper still, into this relationship of love. God's always urging us, come closer, come closer. I want you to know me better, always, constantly, being this person who is centering ourselves on loving God, and through that we learn how to love others as well. And when our entire lives are centering upon this, this love that God has for us, then we start to understand our lives a little bit differently. We start to see the world a little differently and view other human beings a little differently. As we are centering more and more on this love that God has for us, we start understanding our purpose a little differently. Maybe a little deeper, more loving understanding of what our purpose here is. So Paul writes in, a, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is talking to, uh, to this church, and he says, um, and first in chapter 3, he starts talking about this mysterious plan that God has revealed to him. He says, God's revealed this mysterious plan that God has, and it's a plan to, to reconcile all humanity back into God's self, to reconcile all humanity back into relationship with God, this mysterious plan that it's not just for the Jewish people, it's not just for uh, the really good people, it's not for any certain one group of people, it's for all humanity, every single person, no matter who they are, no matter what kind of stature they have in this world and in this life, no matter, no matter what kind of way they're living, it doesn't matter who this person is, God loves them, and God wants to draw them back into relationship, this great plan that God has for restoring his relationship with all humanity. And so then Paul says in chapter 3, verse 13, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. That's kind of a neat thought, right? Christ making his home in our hearts. That, that our hearts are filled with this presence, Right? That there's a peace of God living in us, guiding us, urging us deeper still, deeper still, right? Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience this love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, right? He doesn't say, so you need to have a complete, perfect understanding of who God and Jesus are before any of this ever works out. He just says, experience it. As we experience life with Christ, we start drawing towards God, right? But we can still experience it again 
and again and again. And that's what God is wanting to do in our lives. With God's love, this, this love that just pours over us all the time, God is always wanting us to experience Christ in new ways, drawing us always into new life, always evolving in this deep relationship with God. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And we say, Amen. There's this wonderful word to the Ephesians. Well, the whole book of Ephesians is pretty cool anyway, but especially chapter 3 is just wonderful, filled with these wonderful scriptures of, of Paul writing to them about this wonderful relationship that God desires to have which, with each and every one of us, with each and every person, not just us, each and every person God desires to have this deep, meaningful relationship. So Paul says that as our lives become more rooted in God's love, we begin to experience and see just how vast God's love truly is. We see how great God is, uh, of reaches God is willing to go to touch our lives and draw us closer to God. What lengths God is willing to go to, to to just get our attention, even for a little bit, to say, I'm with you, I love you. God desires for us to not only just kind of know who God is, but Paul says God desires for us to have this fullness of life, is what he says in in this scripture. May we know it to the point that we have a fullness of life. Now, a lot of times when we think of, of fullness of life, we think of living life to the fullest, right? We talk about, boy, that person, they're living life to the fullest. They're traveling places, they're climbing mountains, they're doing all sorts of stuff. They're just living life to the fullest. Well, that's not what God's, or what Paul's writing about here that God desires for us. God desires this fullness of life that we are in a place where we are at peace with God this fullness of life where we have this wonderful joy in our salvation, this joy that we have in relationship with God, this wonderful love that is just growing and growing and growing inside of us, a a healthy love for ourselves, for our loved ones, our love for God in return, a love for others. This fullness of life, that's what God is drawing us towards deeper still, deeper still, deeper still in this love that God is just always pouring over us. So in this lifelong experience of of growing deeper in relationship with God, it all starts with that moment that God reaches out to us. It all starts with that love that God has for us before we even knew God existed. There's already this love reaching out to us. When we're just little bitty babies, God's already reaching out to us stirring in us, saying, I want you to be a part of my family, right? And throughout the rest of our lives, there's this constant outpouring of God's love, constant outpouring of love, 
saying, I want deeper relationship with you. It's initiating a relationship. It's initiating saying, hey, I want you to be with me. I want, to, to, want you to know me well. I already know you well. God already knows us pretty well, I think. But he says, I want you to know me better. And so let's grow deeper and deeper and deeper and so that you can start to understand just how much I love you. And then you can start to understand how you can love me in return. And now you can understand how you can love others as well. Now you can start to understand the purpose of all this. So then in the process of all this, God's outpouring of love, and we're growing closer, we're getting a little deeper still, we began a relationship with God through Christ, this wonderful relationship that we have that Jesus Christ makes a way for us to have. God shows us that amazing love upon the cross where Christ makes a way for us to be with God, right? This is probably stuff we've heard before. Probably nothing new really happening here. You've heard God loves you. You've heard God wants a relationship with you. You've heard God wants to have a better relationship with you, right? This is nothing new. We've heard this. But how do we respond to that? This constant love that is always, every year after year, day after day, minute after minute, always new love poured out for you. How do we respond to God with that? This amazing love that God has, this constant outpouring that God has, that's what we call grace, right? Amazing grace we sang about this morning. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that God is always reaching out to us, urging us to go deeper still, shaping us and molding us to become more like the way he created us to be, right? And he rebukes us, this wonderful love that actually rebukes us and says, hey, you know you're not supposed to do that, or hey, you know you're supposed to do that, right? This wonderful love that keeps us in line, keeps us in check, keeps us living that life that is doing no harm to others, that is doing good in the world, this wonderful love that keeps us growing closer and closer to God, it's grace. Because even after the rebuking, it builds us up. It encourages us to go and remember that God's love is never-ending for us. So God's role in our relationship is this grace that God pours out. Constant love being poured over your life. So what's your role in this relationship? Your role in this relationship is to respond to God, right? God says, hey, I love you, <laughs> and we should respond in some manner, right? We should say, God, I love you too, and let me respond to you. Let me, let me grow closer to you. God's always saying that, though. In all moments of all places and everything that we encounter throughout our day, God is there saying, I love you. And we're supposed to respond in some manner. Now, sometimes, if we're honest... We respond to God kind of like when we run into somebody at the grocery store. You know, when you're walking down the aisle. Have you ever had a moment where you're walking down the aisle, you're pushing your cart, and you see somebody come down the aisle from the other direction, and you think, I know that person. And you might even think, I'd kind of like to know that person better. I know who they are, but I don't know them real well. So you slow down, and you stop, and you say, hi, how are you? And they say, just fine, how are you? But they keep walking. I don't think they're wanting to build this relationship, right? And in fact, they say, I'm fine, how are you? Keep walking. You could say whatever you wanted. They wouldn't have a clue because they're not listening, right? 
I'm fine, how are you? Well, I just got attacked by a giant gummy bear. And they'd be like, oh, that sounds great, have a nice day, and just keep walking. And unfortunately, that's kind of the way we respond to God a lot of times. God's always pouring this love over us, saying, I'm here, I want to be a part of this moment. I want to be a part of this exact moment in your life. And we're like, yeah, love you too, God. We give a little thumbs up, I know you love me. And we just kind of keep walking with our grocery cart on down the aisle. Sometimes that's how we respond to God's love, right? He's saying, no, I want you to know me more. I want you to know me better. But we almost feel like, well, I'm centered on Jesus. I'm there, so I'm good. Rather than I'm centering on this love through Christ that needs to go deeper still, deeper still, deeper still. God's constant love demands our constant response. That's part of who we are as God's people, as God's family. My love for my children is always there. And then somehow, some way, they know they're my children and they love me in return. Right? Sometimes loving me in return means fold the laundry. And they're just quick to get up and do it. You know that's not true. I can tell by your laugh. But that doesn't mean they love me any less. The point is that we, there's this always constant love that is moving between us and God. And sometimes maybe we don't react, respond the way that we're supposed to, respond the way that is going to deepen this relationship the best. But God doesn't stop His love. God's love continues to flow, hoping that we will respond. And the way that we respond to God is through our faith, right? God's grace rains down, our faith goes up to God. God's love comes down, our love for God returns to God, right? God loves, we respond. Grace and faith. In Romans 5, Paul says that it's since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. There's this grace that God pours out upon us, and when we come back and respond, when we respond to God by our faith, we stand in peace with God. We are justified. We are made right with God, and we can stand in this peace with God. We can experience joy of our salvation. We can experience love of God in our life. Not just know that God loves us, but actually experience Christ, the love of God in our lives. We can actually experience that in a way that continues to draw us closer and closer to God. So the way that God works, God's role is grace, our role is faith. But what is faith? Well, faith means that we trust that Jesus Christ has made us right with God. We trust that we are in right relationship, and I can talk right to God, and God can come back and just continue pouring his love over me. And wherever I'm at, any moment of any day, I know God's love is right there. I can trust that God is in that moment because Jesus has made that relationship happen. I can trust that no matter where I'm at, God is always with me, and I can talk right to God, right? So having faith means that we trust, but there's a second part of faith, trust and obey. Good job. I'll bring you a gold star tonight at youth group. Good job. Trust and obey. Right. Well, so obey. We've got to obey God. So that's like the Ten Commandments maybe. 
you know, do no harm, or don't kill, don't murder, don't steal, don't, you know, don't cheat, don't be an honest person. Well, that's not exactly what, uh, what we're talking about by obeying, I don't think. Jesus, in Luke, I'm sorry, in Mark um, chapter 12, there was a, a, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were asking questions to Jesus, all these questions, trying to trick him, trying to trip him up, and he was answering them all very well. And uh, one of the relig- religious law uh, leaders, teachers, saw how well he was ans- answering all these questions, and he says, I've got a question for you. And he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which one's the most important, right? So if we're supposed to trust in Christ, but also we're supposed to be uh, obedient, if we're supposed to be obedient, well, then which commandment is the one we're supposed to be ob- the most obedient to? What's the most one? So in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus, or verse 30, Jesus replies and says, the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And Jesus says, actually, what's the n- number one? Well, there's two, because that's the way Jesus works. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we trust that we have this relationship with God and we are obedient to God by don't murder, don't steal. No, Jesus says, no, love God with all your entire being, but also love others as yourself. That's how we are obedient. We, God's grace just pours out over us, this love, constant love, always saying, I want to know you more and you know me more. I want a stronger relationship with you. And the way we respond to that, Jesus says, is by loving God with our entire being, but also by loving others as we love ourselves. This wonderful relationship that we have with God actually includes others. It's not just about God and us, because remember, God's plan is to restore all humanity, right? And God loves us before we were even born. God says, I love you. So we respond and we say, God, I love you too. And God says, I also love them. So we respond, well, I also love them too, God. Then God says, but my love for them is active. My love for them is reaching out to them. My love for them is making sure they know I love them. So we must respond, then my love will be active, reaching out, making sure that we love them, making sure they know we love them. That's how this relationship works. God's role, constant love pouring out. Our our role is responding to that love by trusting in this relationship through Christ and being obedient to love God with our entire being and to love others as ourselves. So that's God's role, that's your role, right? Well, what's our role as the church in all of this? Our role as the church is to nurture this relationship of grace and faith, that God's love is for everyone and that we are to respond to God with our own love and by reaching out to others. The church's role is to respond and to to nurture this, this relationship to happen, right, between God and us. So like I was talking with the the kids a minute ago, when we found out that we were going to have our own children, we shared this with our family, and our family was so excited. They couldn't wait to welcome a new member into our family. Parents are going to be grandparents. Siblings are going to be aunts and uncles, right? 
cousins are going to have more cousins. Everyone's excited because we're going to have more people in the family. And that's kind of the way we're supposed to be, excited that there's going to be more people in the family as God's love pours into their lives and hopefully as we're loving them and reaching out, going out to show them that we love them, hopefully what's happening is that they're coming and more people are coming to be a part of the family, right? This wonderful thing happened that as we shared it with the church, our church started praying for us. They were a part of this, of this pregnancy because they were praying for us, praying for healthy, happy babies, right? They would ask Dana, how are you? How are you feeling? How's it going? Is everything going okay? Our church was right there by our side every step of the way, helping us to bring these children into the world. And when they came into the world, our church already had a place for them. There was already Sunday school class for them to be a part of. There was already people to greet them and welcome them and to love on them. So our kids probably don't remember any of the specific lessons they learned in Sunday school. You know, there may not have been any one lesson that was just so life-changing they'll remember it the rest of their lives, but they remember Tammy, their Sunday school teacher, that loved them. They may not remember any conversation with any one person that they had the entire time that we were at at our home church, but they remember Rodney Price, Sandy Alexander. They remember people that just loved them tremendously. And so people, when they come here, sorry, Don, they may not remember all the Sunday school lessons that they've been taught through all the years, but they'll remember that Don loves them, right? They'll remember somebody greeted them at the door and said, I'm glad to see you. Hopefully they remember that when I said, hey, how are you? They actually responded and said, I'm great. How are you today? They didn't just walk on by to their seat. The church is here to nurture this relationship. God loves. We love in return, and we're here to help share that with others and spread that so that all people know that, so that we are a part of God's mysterious plan of reconciling all people back to God. This is the roles of what it means to be a disciple of God. Hopefully, what we're doing here is helping lives to become centering lives on the love of God and the love of others. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, we're so thankful for your love. You love us in ways that we probably don't even recognize ways that we don't even realize that you're right there loving us, guiding us, urging us to grow deeper still, deeper still. Awaken us. Open the eyes of our hearts that we would see that. That we would recognize where your love is pouring into our lives so that we may receive it and respond, loving you in return and sharing that love with those around us, that they would come to know your love as well. We thank you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.